lucky today to have Dr. Cassanti, who is here, who said she's going to put a positive spin on suicide for the holidays. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to try. The, and the way I'm going to do that is to get your participant involvement in this um, presentation, just to um, kind of make this a little more interactive than me just sort of talking at you. So um, I'm going to talk about suicide around the holidays and maybe talk about some of the uh, myths that, um, that have kind of surfaced, not only in the literature, just kind of when talking to people around suicide. So just before we begin, I just wanted to give you some basic um, facts, uh, statistics about suicide, just really, really brief. So every year, more than 36,000 Americans commit suicide. Um, males are four times more likely to take their lives than females, and they're more likely to use firearms to commit suicide. Suicide is the seventh leading cause of death for males and the 14th leading cause for females. And then suicide is the 10th leading cause of, of um of death for all Americans. And I'm going to present, actually, let me go to the next slide and just show you kind of the rates of suicide across the country, but then I'll give you a little more data specific to New Mexico. So um, this slide shows kind of by color where the high prevalence rates of suicide are with the darkest kind of red burgundy color having the highest prevalence rates, and certainly you'll see that New Mexico is one of those states with the highest, um, one of the highest prevalence rates of suicide in the United States. And so just some data about New Mexico. Um, New Mexico has 23.5 deaths per 100,000 residents. And so that's how come they kind of fall within that last category with that red kind of burgundy color. Um, it was actually in New Mexico, suicide is the eighth leading cause of death among all New Mexico residents and the second leading cause of death by age group for New Mexico residents between the ages of 10 and 49. So that's right up there. Um, it actually has the fourth, New Mexico has the fourth highest rate in the United States. Um, and these data are from 2015. And basically, New Mexico's rate has consistently been more than 50% higher than all the other states in the United States. So certainly there is a problem here in New Mexico with suicide. And in terms of uh, which uh, sort of ethnic groups or race groups are having the highest rates of suicide, it falls with um, whites and American or Native Americans having the highest rates of suicide. Um, with it actually being higher among whites than Native Americans, slightly higher. So that's just a little bit of data Sorry. about New Mexico. Yeah. All right. Here we have uh, Chris Morgan from Texas, and your chart makes it look like there's no suicide in Texas. <laughs> so, Chris, congratulations. So, yeah. this <laughs> you're doing something right in Texas. Um, so this is the, the first sort of true or false question that I have for you. And so I just want to get your, your thoughts on this and people can chime in either by writing into to Matt or kind of responding online or on air. Suicide rates are higher during Thanksgiving and Christmas. True or false? I see some heads shaking around the table. What do people think? 
False. So we've got a false in the room. And we actually true, have a couple true. of falses in the room. A couple of trues. Got three trues in the chat. Oh, we got a false. Randy Sanchez is true and finals. True, true, true. So far, it looks like two false and everybody's true. So it seems like we have a, we had some falses in the room and a lot of trues on, on the chat. So the answer is actually false. And here's just some data actually from the Centers of Disease Control, the National Center for Health Statistics, actually reports that the suicide rate is in fact the lowest in December and that the, re the rate peaks in the spring and the fall. So why, why so we kind of in, um, in research and in epidemiology, we kind of talk about like it's a protective effect or a risk factor for certain things. And so certainly when we see it's, that suicide rates are the lowest in December, we kind of say that there must be some sort of protective factor happening. What do you think's going on in December that makes the rates really some of the lowest throughout the year? What do you think's going on that might be causing those low rates or attributing to those low rates? I've got a hand up here. Um, it's wintertime and people tend to isolate and barricade inside their house during wintertime and don't have access to a lot of the things that they need, well not need, but plan on uh, using for their uh, end. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. One person, two will say the same family, one person write me Christmas. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, all some good ideas. There's actually, um, so certainly, yeah, presence of family or other social support system is happening around the holidays. You know, we kind of end November with Thanksgiving and we move right into the holiday season with, you know, December. So you're having a lot more kind of family and friends and gatherings that really might serve as that protective factor. Um, in the beginning of the year, there's actually a spike of suicides and then the suicide rate normalizes. So the reasons for this is this thing called the broken promises theory. And it basically describes that individuals might, may be influenced by holidays because they tend to promote hope of improved moods. However, if the expectations are not met, the individual may be frustrated and disappointed and perhaps prone to suicidal reactions. So you might see that sort of dip around the holidays, but then after the holidays are over, and certainly when I talk about suicide attempts, we actually see that the rates of suicide attempts are actually the highest on New Year's Day. So I think it's kind of that, you know, the broken promises theory, kind of like you have all these high expectations, and then um, after you, things get back to normal, and you kind of realize, oh, wow, things are still kind of shitty in my life. Um, you know, I was hoping things would get better, but they're not. And people start thinking of suicide sort of as the only way out. So here, I don't know if people can see this clearly or not, but I, I was trying to bring some lightness to this topic. <laughs> and so I put two cartoons up on, on the slide. Um, the first one says it's hard to be jolly when you have to work on Christmas. And I think that probably applies to a lot of you guys here. 
Um, so thank you for, for doing that. Um, and then the second slide is many people gain weight during the holidays. Unfortunately, the calendar says there are 58 holidays a year. <laughs> um, so that's a problem. Um, but I was kind of interested in where does this what we're now calling a myth come from because you know when I when we talked about doing this presentation I went around my office and talked to people and we're all in mental health and kind of was asking them well what do you think is suicide rates higher you know around the holidays and we thought you know a lot of people said yes around here as well kind of thinking yeah I, I think it is and so I was kind of curious to know like where does this myth come from and it was interesting that I found this one study that was done, the data are old, but I think it's still really quite relevant. Um, but it was done by the Annenberg Public Policy Center. And what they did was they actually looked at all of the stories in the media um, because oftentimes media embellishes things or um, may not report things completely accurately. But what they did was they actually looked at the stories that had like a holiday link over a time period of 10 years. And then they looked to see if the myth was supported in that particular article. And it ranges, but in some years it was over 50% of the times where the articles in the media were actually supporting the myth of this sort of holiday suicide link. Um, and there's some years, you know, where it goes down. So for example, in 2006 and 2007, there were 32 articles in the media about, uh, sorry, about holidays and only 9% of those articles reported um, this kind of myth or supported that myth. So maybe in that year there was like a big anti-suicide campaign or sort of information about, you know, that this really is a myth and we need to be more worried about after the holidays, who knows what was going on. But certainly there's been a trend in the media, um, kind of in the stories that have been published in the news um, supporting this, this myth. Um, but it certainly is a myth. And this is just another um, sort of graph of those data that I just reported in the table, but it kind of show you, shows you how those um, how that trend kind of varies by year, but overall the media um, tends to support the myth and debunk it. So just some food for thought. All right, so in terms of suicide attempts, um, suicide attempts by poisoning is the most common. And here's some data in terms of what they found were the days that were more, more common when they looked at this large data set of suicide attempts in the United States. Um, and the reference for this particular study is listed on the bottom if anybody is interested in learning more. But what they found, um, not surprising, that of all of these over 1 million suicide attempts between this period of 2006 and 2010, um, there were more females than males. And Sundays and Mondays were more common for adults. And Mondays and Tuesdays were more common for people um, less than 19 years of age. Um, spring and fall had higher numbers of suicide attempts than summer and winter. And then what was interesting was that New Year's Day had the higher numbers of suicide attempts than Christmas, Thanksgiving, and Independence Day. And in fact, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Independence Day actually had lower than average numbers of suicide attempts than all other sort of days and holidays that they looked at throughout the year. 
So just something to, I think, for you guys that are out there on the street and possibly and likely responding to these calls, you've maybe experienced higher calls on, on New Year's Day. Um, does this sort of fit with your experience that kind of Sundays and Mondays are seem to be busier with suicide attempts or New Year's Day compared to some of the other holidays? Justin Trotowski, APD. I certainly, uh, from the, the suicides that stick out for me, have definitely been that first of the year, mm-hmm. right around January. In fact, hit a horrible one last January. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, as far as like Thanksgiving, when I look back on like working those holidays, Thanksgiving in particular, I, I've had like homicides, mm-hmm. <laughs> but so <laughs> the, the opposite, yeah, domestic violence and yeah. things like that that are so it's a different. Yeah, a different type of call that kind of stick out. Hmm. Anybody else want to share their sort of experience and how it might match up to what we're seeing in the data? This is Niels Rosenbaum. I remember working in the hospital and admissions would just go way down in December. And if I had to unfortunately work over Christmas holiday, yeah, it would be nobody was there Mm. it was and I think that's across the board it's not just psychiatry I think what families do exactly what you said they rally around their their family and there's all that sort of reaching out and lovey-dovey and and then as soon as the holidays end they often take grandpa and drop them off at the hospital yeah um I was thinking like you know what this study is interesting but you know so what you know so we know these trends but why is this important to know and i was certainly thinking it's it's important to know you know from a public health sort of point of view and certainly public safety point of view in terms of when those calls when you might expect higher numbers of calls and maybe putting more workforce out there or um like in a hospital, like, you know, have higher staffing numbers or something like that, just so you're better able to respond. And uh, Chris Morgan wrote in on this one, which I think is an interesting one. I've always thought the same thing, but is it possible that this might stand out more because it's perceived as more tragic simply because it's during the holidays? Yeah. So if there is a completed or attempt, it just sticks out in our minds more often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other media, not just uh, reporting, but movies, mm-hmm. it's always, you know, the suicidal cop, for example. It's always like lethal weapon. It's always like the holidays, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, uh, that's a myth. That's an unfortunate myth at that. Yeah. Yeah. And in this particular study that was conducted by Beauchamp, they talked about, you know, with Sundays and Mondays being common for adults, it kind of falls back in line with that broken promises sort of theory is that people kind of you know wait for the weekend and maybe think like things are going to get better and you know I'm going to have a great weekend and my mood is going to change or whatever it might be things are going to be different and then things aren't different and so then you know Sunday night comes along and then Monday and you kind of realize that you're back in the same position you were and so that might be also 
attributing to the higher rates on Sundays and Mondays for, for adults. Yeah, especially if you're unemployed and you just lost your job and now it's Monday. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Okay. And I know spring, one of the things that we were taught, I don't know if you came across this, but you know, spring is where people often become manic and that's a risk factor for mm. suicide. And fall is often when people become depressed. And as, and as you were saying, um, you know, by the time it's the middle of summer, it's you're sort of in a steady state. It's not that big dramatic change where spring is and everybody's happy and I'm falling in love. And if you're not coming online and feeling better, mm. it, it, that, that uh, separation between you and everybody else feels much worse. Because if you're just home alone and it's kind of dreary for everybody, it's easier to get through the winter. But now it's spring and people are starting to feel wonderful and you're not. It's time to, for suicide, I guess. Jeff Flower says, APD, the Mondays and Tuesdays, does that, I know that's for less than 19. Do you think most of that coincides with school? Like I was thinking, like I had people that I talked to that like during the summer and winter breaks, it'd be fine. But then as soon as school started, it was oh, like yeah. their minds were off and spring and fall. So, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, <clears throat> It'd be interesting to look at suicide rates just like for <clears throat> youth, you know, across the year, <clears throat> um, you know, and see if there's higher rates during the school year. I'm assuming there would be with bullying and all that sort of right. stuff happening then in the summer. Okay. So the next series of slides, I think I've got seven of them, are just some more opportunities for you to think about maybe some of the myths that have been sort of embedded in, in society and in the way we think about suicide um, and an opportunity for discussion around those. And so this is the first one and same sort of Thing. If you guys want to chime in and let me know if you think it's true or false. So once someone is suicidal, he or she will always remain suicidal. What do you think? True or false? False. False. What are people online thinking? False, false. Chris said F. You? False, <laughs> false, false. Danny Barad. I would say that if I'm doing a suicide risk assessment, if they had a suicide attempt, I would always note that as chronic moderate risk at least. I would never drop them back down to a chronic low risk if they've had an attempt in the past. Thank you, Dr. Burad. I think that's a good point. Um, the answer is false. So everybody in here passed with flying colors and Except online. <laughs> Um, and, and the reason why Dr. Rurad's point is a good one is that suicide attempt is the number one risk factor. Earlier, I talked about risk factors and protective factors. So a suicidal attempt is, in fact, the number one risk factor for a subsequent suicide attempt or a completion. So that's always something to think about when um, working with somebody, you know, on a call if they have a history of suicidal attempts. But it certainly doesn't define somebody's state. Um, if they've contemplated suicide, it doesn't mean that he or she are always suicidal. Yeah, please. So do you remember Jan Fawcett? I do. Yeah, so I remember this is an expert in the field of suicide, which is kind of grim. 
and he switched to happiness actually in the end of his career. <laughs> but for the bulk of his career, he studied happiness, uh, suicide. And one of the things he said is sort of like what Burad was saying is that one uh, big risk factor for suicide that's often overlooked or not taught is that people who have a sort of um, a program ready to go, like you ask them, if you were going to kill yourself, how would you do it? They're like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what I do. I would do this, and I'd tell that person, then I'd take these pills, and that's what I would do. They have a program ready to just, all they have to do is hit play. Mm -hmm. And even if they're not suicidal, that's still a high, mm -hmm. that's a risk factor for lifetime suicide. That's good to know. Yeah. Uplifting. I have a comment um, from Middlesex County up here in Massachusetts. We're joining you guys uh, for this afternoon. How are you? Great. Mm -hmm. So um, I also was wondering, because I had heard um, um, a book or some type of publication that had uh, considered all those people that had leapt off of the Golden State Bridge. Now, I might be wrong on some of this. It might be a little bit anecdotal. Um, and there was a certain number that actually survived, and they were able to interview those that had survived. And I think to a person, they asked them what was their last thought as they were leaping, and their last thought was, I made a mistake. Um, I don't know if that's true, uh, that's some of the experts, but I think it is instructive with regard to this. It's that if you can get through that day, get through that night, um, that that's what you need to do for that moment and that um, life can improve significantly even just the next day if you can get through that day. Um, many, many years ago, I had some training in the area of suicide, and I actually did my master's degree in suicidology. Talk about like a happy topic. Um, but I remember being trained and, and saying that, you know, people who are suicidal really have blinders on. And at that moment, that's the only option that they think as, you know, making their situation, you know, better or different. And so our job as a suicide, you know, sort of crisis worker was really to open up those blinders for them and to present some other ways of looking at the situation um, te temporarily. Because once you kind of get them over that crisis situation, then sure, it's, it's not that simple. I'm not a clinician. Um, but they really become kind of focused on, you know, one thing like that, you know, jumping off the bridge, but then realizing, gosh, that was a mistake. Um, so I kind of think about that oftentimes when I think about, not me personally, but when I talk with people who are contemplating suicide, is just giving them another option, like, have you thought about this instead of, you know, taking those pills? I don't know. What do you think? You're No, I, I think you're exactly right. And, what you're, and as far as I know, that study is very true. Um, I, I, it shows that people are ambivalent, ambivalent meaning they're of two minds, you know, uh, which everybody is to some degree about a lot of things, but so ambivalent mean I want to live and I want to die. And they're sort of have both of them at the same time. And uh, I think people are ambivalent right up to the very end. Um, I'm sure there are some exceptions, but, and that's what motivational interviewing is all about. And that's why we often ask uh, when we go out on a call, one of the key questions we ask is, well, you're, you're, if someone's suicidal, we say to them, well, you're not dead and you haven't killed yourself. What's keeping you alive? And so that's sort of right out of the, the motivational interview playbook because that way they have to say, well, it's my dog or it's my, it's always the dog or cat. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and now they're talking about why they want to stay alive, where the normal reaction is to say to somebody, hey, you know, you have so much to live for. I'm sure your mom loves you or something like that. And people often say, no, my mom hates me. That's one of the reasons I want to kill myself. And now I want to kill myself even more.
So you don't want you don't want them to argue the the position of killing themselves. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. And, and, and again, we're joining from Massachusetts. We're actually exploring the opportunity to use uh, Project ECHO uh, system up here in Massachusetts with the GE Foundation. So thank you very much for allowing us to participate or just to watch over at least. Sure, no worries. Very happy to have you. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for your comment. That was helpful. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that was mentioned earlier in how prevalent the success rate is with firearms specifically, one of the keys to that uh, management is dealing with the impulsivity of such a deadly means. So, you know, we're always trying to see if we can get people to use gun locks and locking the weapons unloaded away from the actual ammunition just to take that time and add as much time as we can from that impulsive thought of, I want to kill, I want to shoot myself to when they would actually be able to implement that plan. And in that same vein of asking the people who survived the bridge jump, what was the first thought after they actually jumped? What was the first thought after you thought about picking up your gun? You increase that time between that thought and them actually having a loaded gun in their hand, less likely they are to actually pull that trigger and complete suicide. I just wanted anyone to know if they wanted to find that uh, article that was referenced or that study, you can just Google Golden Gate Bridge suicide survivors. There's actually a, a nice video. I mean, it sucks that it's a nice video, but there's a nice video of one of the survivors talking about his uh, struggles with mental illness and what brought him to jumping and why he regretted it when he jumped. And Ben Melendres, that guy that, that they do an interview with, said that the, one of the last things that went through his head as he jumped was, Nobody's ever going to know that I didn't want to do this. And he's really, you know, devastated by that thought after he vaulted over the bridge. Just, just for further consideration, there was a, a really amazing, powerful speech made. I think it was by a city councilor in Houston, uh, Texas. Um, and I, it was about his own uh, coming out of the closet. Um, and I think that there was a, maybe there was a number of suicides of uh, young um, uh, GLBT um, community members and he made this very powerful emotional where he's weeping on the floor of their uh, of their parliament I guess you'd say uh, and saying basically just make it through tonight just get through today and it was really one of the most compelling things you could ever see it might be helpful if if it's something you want to uh, it might be just a good resource for people because it was truly one of the most compelling powerful intimate moments you could ever imagine and, 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 and I think can be very helpful for people to understand that there is hope tomorrow. It may not seem like there's hope today, but there is hope tomorrow. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. And the other th interesting thing, man. No, yeah, please. <laughs> another interesting thing about the Golden Gate Bridge and guns, one of the connections there are the people do actually seek out the Golden Gate Bridge to kill themselves. And so there was a similar place, I forget where it was, there was a gorge where people would go and kill themselves. And so what they did was they put a, um, a fence so you couldn't get to that one spot and suicide rates went down in the whole town. So they just, you, you put up that one barrier and in, in towns where they're less, in cities where they're less guns, there's less suicide. Are you talking about up, in, up near Taos? 
Professor Jose. I think it's that. I think it was a different gorge, but it's okay. more interesting if it's Talos, but it's not. Talos, <laughs> well, they actually put those emergency um, speakers, uh, emergency call boxes yeah, on yeah. each side of the bridge for people to call instead of actually jumping. I bet, it, I bet it would be true there too if yeah. they did a study on it. Okay, so let's go on to the next true or false question. Talking about suicide is a bad idea and can be interpreted as, interpreted as encouragement. True or false? Doc, did you say true? Definitely true. <laughs> so, so we've got some falses in the false, room. False, we've got false. lots of false on the now chat. Sanchez is giving us the big F here. False, false. We've got one kind of true over no. here from no. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So yes, this is also false, um, and it really is you know giving people an opportunity to to talk openly about how they're feeling is is um encouraged um asking you know one of the again the first things that i learned is really just kind of coming out and asking people are you thinking about killing yourself um you know being really direct with that not, not kind of beating around the bush are you thinking about ending your life because that might mean something different to different people you know but really are you thinking about killing yourself and i don't know if you want to yeah no absolutely i mean the one of the only ways this actually could be true is you know, if there's a celebrity suicide and everybody's talking about it, or there's a high profile suicide in the school and they have meeting after meeting, they talk about suicide, it can actually work it in the, the opposite and lead to more suicide. But, uh, but that's not, that wasn't the nature of your question. <laughs> Only people with mental health problems are suicidal. True or false? False. I've seen a pattern is, here. That's a trick question. Isn't suicide considered a mental health thing or no? I, I mean, this is, I'm not going to answer. I, I think that's a great question. <laughs> Someone <laughs> like a great answer. <laughs> so... To the, let's answer this question, then I do want to answer, like, talk about Matt's question. Um, so this question, only people with mental health problems are suicidal. So according to the World Health Organization, this is also false. And that, it, you know, suicidal behavior indicates deep unhappiness, but, not, but you don't have to have a diagnosed mental health disorder to be suicidal. Does that help yes. you? Is that do anything? Yeah, I think you could be suicidal without uh, having a, a diagnosis. I was thinking more of people actually complete suicide. They mm. complete suicide. Do they retroactively have some kind of mental illness? Right. But mm. no, I guess. Yeah. Although it is like 95. Yeah, I would say among those people who complete suicide, probably if you go back and kind of retrospectively look at their lives and sort of their medical sort of history records and so on. Yeah, I agree with Neil's probably 95% of the people would have, although it might not have been diagnosed officially, would have demonstrated some sort of mental health 
problem that could have been diagnosed if it wasn't diagnosed. Any other thoughts or questions about that one? What is the other 5%? Impulsive acts, you break up with your girlfriend, you're otherwise fine, you haven't been impulsive your whole life, and then you, I can't take it anymore, you kill yourself. They wouldn't or say like kids. Yeah. 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 Under 18. Under 18, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's mostly the impulsive kind of stuff. Or, I don't know, I, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. One of my first jobs um, was, as a researcher, was to actually go and suicide review suicide bomb. notes. Um, so <laughs> people who completed suicide and left notes and try to determine the intent of their suicide based on the note. And there were situations where there were kids. And remember, there was one young boy, probably eight years old, who didn't like his haircut and ended up killing himself. He wrote a note saying, I hated my haircut, went to school kids laughed at me and ended up killing himself. And so that's a really, I mean, a horrible, horrible, tragic situation, but an example where there would be no sort of mental health problem associated with that particular individual, but very impulsive. Matt, I like your haircut. (laughs) (laughs) So don't go home and cut your kid's hair (laughs) in a way that they will. Only have a few more days. Bullied. Most suicides happen suddenly without warning. True or false? False. That's if one false, false, false. True. True. Oh. So we've got some. True, trues. False, false, false. True for the five percent. True for five percent. So again, this answer is false. The majority, again, the majority of suicides have been preceded by warning signs, uh, warning signs, whether verbal or behavioral. Um, of course, there are some suicides that occur without warning, um, but it's important to understand what the warning signs are and look out for them. So I think oftentimes, again, like when a suicide has happened, you know, you talk to family members and they kind of like, oh, yeah, like I do remember this or he was acting differently or, yeah, he was in his room for the past month and, you know, not <laughs> isolated or whatever, you know. So sometimes they're not obvious to us in the present moment. But again, when you look back, you kind of think, yeah, that that is a little that was odd. That was different. All right, I think I've just got a couple more of these. Someone who is suicidal is determined to die. I think we kind of talked a little bit about this already, so I'll just pop this up. It is false. Um, Niels used the word ambivalent, and there it is. It's really, you know, really people are quite unsure about living or dying, and it's kind of giving them that, those other options. And then people who talk about suicide do not mean to do it. True or false? People who talk about suicide. False, false. False. I feel like we get a lot of calls about this. Someone posted on Facebook, someone told somebody else. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty common police call for service. Someone talking about suicide. Mm. False, false. A lot of falses. And it is false. People who talk about suicide may be reaching out for help or support. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so that was the last true or false question. I just wanted to end by giving you some resources. Um, you're probably already familiar with these um, lines, the crisis and access line here in New Mexico. There is a National Suicide Prevention Lifeline as well. The last three websites are really just sort of helpful websites with lots of great resources um, for different age groups. You know, if you're wanting some more information about prevention among teens or among, you know, an older population. Um, one number that I didn't put up there that um, you probably are familiar with is the New Mexico peer-to-peer -peer warm line, which is also available here in New Mexico. And the number is, uh, it's the beginning, the same 855 as the New Mexico crisis line, but the other uh, numbers are 466-7100. And that's basically people who have had those experiences appear um, who you can call and access that number. That's it. I have a question for you. Sure. So this is Matt Timothy PD. You, you said that you did a, a research or you were reading a bunch of lovely notes. Mm -hmm. Did you actually find a theme or any kind of link? It was so long ago. Um, I don't remember anything sort of standing out. I think it was sort of, they were, sometimes it was clearly people like, you know, clearly said, you know, I did this, I'm doing this because of this. Um, and then other times there was really just a lot of, you know, a lot of vagueness, you know, I'm sad. Um, I don't remember anything really standing out. I don't know, do you have any yeah, thoughts I, about suicide notes? It's been yeah, a long I do. time. There was a, uh... Fawcett again was did okay. some kind of study on this and they reviewed hundreds of these notes and he was amazed how many were just sort of matter of fact like like oh make sure to get my dry cleaning right uh, yeah like, did you see that kind of trend yeah too? yeah which was surprising right that they're, they're dead and they're still thinking about like the little things like that yeah I was talking to somebody the other day who said that they had just recently found a suicide note. Um, it was his mother-in-law who had left a suicide note and they were cleaning through her stuff and she had left a note. But in that note, she actually described a plan to kill her husband. But somewhere along the line, things changed and she ended up killing herself. And so I don't, it was just kind of an interesting sort of, twist they thought like in, yeah. in their sort of grand, among grandma and grandpa um that you know was really it was she wasn't intending intending to kill him i guess but ended up killing herself but she had kind of wrote about this in her note about her plans to do that wow. so i don't i don't i'm just kind of an interesting like thing movie. yeah <laughs> no this was great i think you, this was a great talk. you found that well, very helpful. speak of that you have mentioned before, Dr. Rosenbaum, about the family connection, about increasing the risk of suicide. Sure. So if someone's close, is that shown in studies or what? Yeah, they... no, there's definitely family history is definitely a risk factor for suicide. So, and, that, and that's also true with twin studies. So identical twins who are separated at birth, if one has a suicide attempt, the other one has an increased risk of suicide attempts and suicide completions. Um, and it's pretty significant, actually. I forget the exact correlation, but it was higher than I expected. Um, 
And so there's a family history of, you know, we all know Uncle Charlie killed himself and now that's part of the family lore and, and, and then we think of suicide as a viable option. But there's also genetic.